Hey Gems, welcome back to the show. Let's not waste any time and jump straight into the topic. Welcome to the show. So go ahead and tell us who you are and a little bit about what you do. Well, first and foremost, thank you for having me on your show. I'm Asha Tari. I'm an award-winning mental health advocate, a psychotherapist, a certified life coach, and now an author. And I have a new book out titled Adulting as a Millennial, A Guide to Everything Your Parents Didn't Teach You. Wow. Okay. So you've got a couple of hats that you wear. It sounds like you're killing it in all those realms. Congrats on the book as well. That sounds like something I might need to go ahead and grab. (laughs) Thank you. So, uh, you know, what led you down the path of mental health advocacy and, you know, really feeling like that's a priority that people should be focusing on? It was something I I did long ago. Um, I've been doing this work for two decades, so it's not new for me. It was actually on the heels of me not passing my nursing exam because I went to school for nursing originally. And I was really tired, really frustrated, possibly even depressed. I was a second year college student, didn't know what was going to happen next and was scared. And then I had a really good friend who I actually talk about in the book that introduced me to something called human services, which was one of the tracks at my undergraduate school, Pace University. And through taking two courses, I fell in love with the program. I didn't lose any credits, which was really important to me at the time. And I went on to matriculate into the human services program. And from there, I continued on. I got my master's in social work and then became a therapist many years later. So I have a private practice in New York, which is also under my small business where I do counseling, consulting, and coaching. And it is really timely at this this juncture in which we're all living in. But it's something that has always been important to me and important to communities of color particularly. Definitely. I'm going to ask where you're at because I'm like, are you, do you live in a city somewhere, you know? <laughs> With the yeah, you hear that honking in the background. It's something I can't even avoid at times. I'm so sorry about that. No, that's that city life. It's authentic. I love it. And this show is all about just being, you know, being ourselves and being authentic and kind of stripping away all the extra so that we can have a real conversation. So it is what it is. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about, you know, since you've been doing this for quite a while, what are some of the greatest lessons that you've learned thus far? In my work or or my business, what specifically would you like me to point to? Yeah, so I think that maybe, you know, in your work, what has been the lessons that you've learned as as a mental health advocate, as a mental health professional um, from your clients or from your business, just what are your greatest takeaways, things that come to your mind first? You know, I want to say this because the way I was schooled and trained, it was, I was on the track to social work. So I went in human services first and then in graduate school, social work. And in undergraduate, I was told social workers would always have a job. So it it felt very hopeful. What I wasn't told was how many changes the social work industry would go through and how little social workers get paid. And I bring that up foremost because this industry is dominated by people of color and women, the two most underserved, underpaid groups of people in the world. And no one taught us in the 90s, which is when I went to college, about small business entrepreneurship. 
everyone talked about working for some nonprofit and grinding hard and doing grassroots work. Well, I was already an activist, so I knew a little bit about grassroots work, but to work as hard as I did, which I don't regret one day of working as hard as I did because I learned because I learned so much. But the way that we worked and the way that we're trained is to overindulge, to have almost a savior complex. And to me now, years later, developing myself as a person and as a small business owner, I don't believe the same things that I was taught. I believe that people heal themselves. So as a healer myself, I help to heal myself. I help other people to heal themselves, but I don't believe that I'm here to save anyone. I believe that I'm here to show people who they are. And most people have the greatest untapped potential within themselves, but there are all of these other things that get in the way. Those things include poor relationship habits, um, excuse me, poor relationships and, and bad habits to not putting yourself first and centering yourself, which is mindfulness work that I do. And we also have a lot of people who are in this, these two groups, people of color and women, have poor money habits. And I bring those up for several reasons. One, my audience primarily are millennials and generation Xers, both groups who were taught different ways of living life and generation Xers. And I'm um, at the beginning of that, because I'm on the cusp of the generation of mine, which is GX, Gen X, and then millennials, is that you work for people, you work hard, uh, you settle down, you get a family, and that should make you happy. I don't believe that. Millennials were taught uh, work, you know, to become seen, noticed, um, try to, you know, start something, live life, have fun, and that's awesome. But here's where the disconnection falls. Millennials have trouble with being in the present, like a lot of people are experiencing now, but that's what I've noticed in my work, that there's a lot of anxiety, imposter syndrome, feeling like they don't belong, but oftentimes looking for belonging. And they have this really beautiful way of going after what they want, but not oftentimes having a really clear plan and thinking, how will this work? And sticking with something until it does work. So my book, Adulting as a Millennial, A Guide to Everything Your Parents Didn't Teach You, is just about those things that I didn't learn from other adults. I learned on my own by going through it until I got into the workforce. And I, I worked in a couple of jobs and found some great mentors. That helped me along the way. So having mentors is really important. Seek those out. Slowing down and noticing where you are and what you want and being very clear about that is also equally important. And lastly, develop really healthy relationships, not just romantic ones, those are important as well, and friendships too, but business relationships. Use all of these social networks that we're on and really create community, create mutually beneficial relationships and give up those lackluster ones. That's what I help people to do so that we could have not only healthier um, ties to people, but then we can also have healthier relationships with money, our health, and our mentality. And that's really what my book is about. Wow. Everything that you're saying really, really, really resonates for 
you know, me personally and just what I've been hearing a lot of recently. And I always say it to, you know, uh, when I'm talking about mental health and money, because to me, they go hand in hand, is that when I was in school to be a marriage and family therapist, all of our professors would say, oh, well, you didn't go into this field to make money. And they would like laugh. And I'm like, but I, I'm going to have bills, right? Like, am I going to be able to pay my bills? <laughs> they would just say these things and the narrative around going into this profession was that you're doing this and you better know that when you're going into it, that you're going to be sacrificing something, you know what I mean? Like financially or whatever the case may be. And so, you know, I really felt like it, at least personally for me, that I needed to not fall into that trap because I really feel like that if we don't go beyond the narratives that we are told or go beyond the things that other people tell us, which to me, people's limitations come from their own um, lack of experience and vision, then you, then that's what you do. You go and you work for a company um, where you don't get paid what you're worth and then you stay there. If it's a stepping stone, that's one thing, you know, as a part mm-hmm. of building experience and getting to know people, building those healthy relationships in your industry at, so that you can continue to level up. But some people end up feeling stuck, um, not by choice of wanting to be in that place because they love that work and it is fulfilling to them, but feeling like they cannot go beyond that. And it really comes down to those things that we're taught and not taught. And so, you know, you said you're going to school in the 90s and you were not taught certain things about, you weren't even, they weren't even talking about entrepreneurship or small business, you know, ownership. Um, I think that for me, it was like our, our generation or my class or cohorts were told, yeah, that's an option to go into private practice or to have a small business but then there was no there was no follow-through or um lessons on how to do that successfully even though there were people that were out there doing it successfully so Mm -hmm. it's an odd you know an odd gap between those two things um so i love the idea of your book i love that it's speaking to all the lessons we didn't get you know it's not for us to be angry or mad at anybody because we didn't get these lessons but to really understand where our gaps lie and to fill them in as we see them in our adult lives so I love that you mentioned all of that yeah and if I could add one other thing it's this juxtaposition between being a helper and then helping people who need help and in school I think is not so different in what I'm hearing from what we learned in the 2000s when I was in grad school and what I learned in the late 1990s. It's this model, but how do you help people if you're suffering and struggling yourself? And that's why I am grateful. And and I speak about these people in my book that I'm, I'm prefacing. I'm grateful that I met the people that I met in college which I tapped into as resources, my advisor in my program, and later um, men and women who were seasoned in my industry, I tapped into those relationships and they also tapped into me. And this is why this book is for millennials primarily, but not just for millennials, because it was the older generation and the more seasoned professionals that took me under their wing when I transitioned through full-time jobs with consulting jobs and, I, and I've had a great career so I want to put that out there there's a lot that people can do in this industry and there's a lot of money you can make and I'm making good money um, but that's because I also diversify my work so this idea that we have about helping people to help themselves and 
there's the underscore of marginalization there because we're serving primarily people in marginalized communities in social work. And most of the people who serve are from a marginalized community. And how do we help people to see that you deserve to have more abundance and prosperity, which is what I do in my coaching work. And you don't have to exploit people to do that. You can be a giver and a helper, and you can also have value in your work and put a dollar amount to that and value your time. And over time through working for other people, which is not a bad thing because I learned so much in doing so, you build so many skills. You take a job on for two or three years and then you move on and then you go somewhere else and you move on. And next thing you know, you have a breadth of experience to then turn around and use when you start your business. And that's what's helped me to thrive in my company that I own. Love it. I love it. I love it. You said you deserve to have more abundance and prosperity. And I think that that's something that we all could use as a reminder for ourselves. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, and that doesn't just mean financially, that means energetically, that means love. We, we deserve an abundance of love and joy mm -hmm. and peace. And um, to make that a priority, you know, is to make a statement in our lives. So I really appreciate that you, you said that because it's such a good reminder, a good way of re reminding ourselves of our worth. You know what I mean? Um, because we are giving a lot of ourselves for anyone that is in a mental health profession, you know, we're giving a lot of ourselves energetically and things like that to hold space for other people. Um, it's not, it's not like the easiest work. You know what I mean? I call it energetic tax. And so it's fulfilling and it's, it's wonderful to be able to do and be that for, for others, but, you know, to know our worth in order to replenish ourselves um, so that it's sustainable because so many people burn out, you know? And so I'm, I think like, what's the best way to do this in order to be able to do it in the long run, you know, and it's a sustainable career that um, continues to feel like it is um, giving to me, just like I feel like it, I'm giving to it. So I love that you mentioned that. I definitely want to go back though to what you were talking about, healthy relationships, but not just romantic relationships or familial relationships, but this need to focus and prioritize on you know, network relationships. So I think that people feel like the formula is, okay, you go to school, you get a degree, you'll get a job somehow, like it'll come out of the air, and then you will find someone to be with and life is hunky-dory. But I think that the piece that's missing is what you were mentioning about really focusing on showing up on purpose, because you don't know who is going to be able to be a person to open a door for you. Now, it's not that you're doing, you're, you're having your relationships and, you know, cultivating them just for that sole purpose of using, you know, using that network, but how do you authentically just show up on purpose as yourself to the point that people are coming to you, you know what I mean? When, yeah. they, they ha when there's a position that's open or they want to work with you on a project because they've just enjoyed your spirit and your energy. And I think that, you know, the more people that, can take themselves seriously as early as possible and utilize their networks and show up on purpose, the better off they are, especially on things like social media. And so mm -hmm. personally, I said, okay, if I'm going to be on social media, I want to show up and I want to be on purpose. And we would not have connected if I wasn't doing that, if you weren't doing that on your end, you know what I mean? And so yeah. I think that the more people can kind of come to that realization, um, 
the more that we can collectively be moving forward because this conversation is one I love talking to people and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm not crazy. Like other people think the same way that I do. (laughs) (laughs) I totally agree. I totally agree. Um, Speaking to that, you hit a couple of points that I can elaborate on some more, which I do cover in the book because networks plural networks are very important and they honestly should start in middle school not even high school your parents are responsible for what you're exposed to and what your parents have access to helps them to expose you to more so when you're in band practice or in dance class or you're going on school trips those are your beginning networks That's where you're tapping into selling things for school fundraisers, um, seeing people or talking to people who see you performing your talent, Um, remembering people on occasions where you want to celebrate them or highlight them. That starts in middle school. That's where people are learning and developing emotional social wellness that's where you're developing some parts of your identity and so those things are the stepping stones to what's going to follow in high school so that as you know like i know when you're in high school it's not just about academic you know achievement it's also about volunteerism it's also about extracurricular activities it's also about letting your teachers get to know you Those things we should be teaching kids ongoing from middle school forward so that when they apply to college, if that's what they choose to do post high school, that it's not unfamiliar to find out who your advisor is once you're in in college or to notice what's on college campus that you want to become a part of. All of those things are not just magical because people are born charismatic. Some have that you know, quality, but it's a skill to be able to speak, um, articulate your thoughts, to not be ashamed or afraid to approach someone, to ask for help, to um, inquire about mentorship. Those things are important. Then when you get into the work industry, your work profession, you will be more secure, more confident, which is what millennials are often seeking and what they come to me for. So in this book, I'm narrating that basically using my life as a guide, providing anecdotes and then insightful questions to elicit that because that is suffering in our world. Relationships, it's suffering. And I have, um, like you said, this is the other point I want to make. Like you said, I have built relationships to where at this point in my life and career, I get referrals for work from people who knew me through other people. So it's almost three degrees of separation from where I get referrals from now. So that when I ask people who come my way for work, how did they find me or how did they find my company? Most times when they mention a name, I don't even know who they're talking about. And that's because of the work I do online, my presence on social media, me putting forth what I want to do when I talk to people um, in my circles of friendships, as well as in my networks with business and work, um, my career development work. So by the time someone comes around, they're saying to me things like, your name came up on a boat ride that I went on two summers ago and I was talking about an, an issue at work and someone said that they knew a therapist and they gave me your name. 
that's how far away that goes. Or I went to my doctor's office and he or she had your name and number and I asked for their doctor's name and I don't even know who their doctor is. So, or someone gets contacted who's in my industry for work, but maybe they don't feel quite equipped to do what they're being called for. But because I mentioned it over tea that I'm doing media work or I'm writing a book, they're sending that referral to me because they may feel less prepared for that work that I've already been prepared for. So many layers, so many layers, but I love everything that you're saying because it's so true. And I think that when you can put that at the forefront of your mind, that it really can be a game changer, you know, in people's lives. And I'm sure that as you're working with your clients and helping them to address these things, that you get to witness their transformation um, as they see that to be true, you know? I do. It's really beautiful. And the transformation is what keeps the joy alive in the work that I do. It's very powerful. And the coaching work is super powerful and the therapeutic work that I do too. I love it. So I, I imagine, you know, I assume since you're human, like there's been a time in your life where you felt stuck or, you know, unsure of what to do next. Maybe you're at a fork in the road. How do you handle those times where you are in that place? That's a really beautiful question. And I'm reflecting on it now as we speak, because I want to share something that I hope will help someone. I actually hope it'll help lots of people. It was just several years ago, not very long ago, that I was working for um, an outpatient facility part-time while also growing my business. And I was seeing coaching clients that had already completed my certification in coaching. And I was in a really difficult spot. And the spot that I was in was that I was growing my private practice and uh, getting familiar with coaching work as a professional because I was finishing up my program. And so I was taking on new clients at the same time. I was also the caretaker for an aging and sick loved one. And I was also the distant um, support network to my mom who was taking care of my aging and sick father. So, and then I was moving. <laughs> After all of that, I was moving in the midst of this. So it was really, really challenging. And I felt very, at times exhausted and at other times very, exhilarated because I loved the work that I was doing in coaching, the clients that I was attracting. I was excited about what I was going to see with their work. But there were a lot of times that I was also very exhausted physically and mentally. And um, I thought I was doing too much. And what I started to do, honestly, was remind myself of why I decided to do coaching work. And I knew at the time it was because I wanted to complement the work that I was doing in therapy. And my business, by the way, has three prongs to it. It's coaching, consulting, and counseling. And so this was the next arm, the last arm of the business that I was developing. And so I was right where I wanted to be in that way, but not in my personal life where I wanted to be. So there was this push-pull, but I continued to stay hopeful. I had conversations with God that were very raw, which meant I didn't pray and plead to God like I think we usually do. What I did instead was I talked to God like I'd be talking to my best friend. And sometimes that looked like me getting angry with God. And what I did, it broke open my world. And that for me, not for anyone else in my saying may be helpful, but for me it helped because I stopped 
I don't know, complaining when I found myself complaining too much and I started to seek more joy. So I found ways to do that by listening to music, going outside, which I love to do and get sunshine, going to art exhibits, one of my favorite things to do when I was off. And then I started to feel better. And then that opened up channels in me to take on more work because I was seeking it and I was writing affirmations and posting them up on the door so that I could read them aloud every day what I wanted to attract financially, the optimal clients I wanted to see, the place I wanted to live, the types of people I wanted to be surrounded by. I read those out loud individually to myself each and every day. And it gave me hope and inspiration and new belief systems. Within a short period of time, I would say between six to 12 months, my life changed and I moved a couple of times since I was permit in a place that I felt was right for me. I settled down and loved where I was. I started to let go of relationships with people that no longer serve me, such as people who are narcissistic, you know, that taps your energy. Um, I started to let go of people who were not doing what I was doing in the way that I was doing it, meaning they weren't go-getters, they were go seekers. <laughs> they were people who sought the dream, but they didn't actually do anything beyond seeking it. So I sought the dream and then I actually put steps behind the dream to manifest it. And I had to stop being around people like that because I just felt pulled and, and downtrodden and I didn't want to be around that energy. I wanted to be around energy that would elevate my frequency. And so I started to read books I signed up for a group coaching program, found my first coach, Lisa Nichols, bought her book that helped to transform me even more. Started listening to uh, podcasts and videos from coaches from 40 years ago who were quite successful that people listen to and quote now on social media, Jim Rohn and Bob Proctor. So I did all of this self-work and next thing you know, more clients came to me and then my business thrived more in therapy. And then I continued to open up hours on my calendar to take on more work. And then I narrowed in on the specific clients that I wanted, the specific dollar amount I was willing to accept and the specific number of hours per week I was willing to work because I wasn't going to be working all day, every day. I was going to work hard when I did, but I was going to take time for myself. And here we have me thriving in my business. Six years later, I'm in business full-time for myself. I've been thriving four complete years in business, 12 months a year, growing financially every year. I have more projects now during COVID-19 than I've ever had in my life. And it's all revolving in the same work that I do. And I still don't work every day. That is so significant because, you know, I think that the greatest thing that someone can do for themselves is to commit themselves. Yes. To, to allow themselves to evolve, to commit to allow themselves to forgive themselves, to commit to allow themselves to let things and people go that are not um, for you at that time. And it sounds like your commitment to yourself, because it wasn't that you said, oh, I prayed one night and then the next day everything was fancy. Like you committed to yourself day in and day out to do your affirmations, to seek, you know, to be open, to seek information and understanding of what was going to help you move forward. Um, and that commitment is what it sounds like has yielded uh, the life that you now live, which is being able to prosper regardless, right, 
of whatever mm -hmm. is going on on the outside. And so kudos to you on that. And, you know, what a great lesson for people to take away from this episode is make that commitment to yourself. You know, it's not easy. I'm sure it wasn't easy, but um, it's well worth it. Yeah. And she said, you know what? It feels like you've read my book already. So <laughs> I hope you and your audience gets the pre-order soon because we have a limited amount and we want people to read it and feel inspired and do the work. I have a chapter in my book just on that, commit to the commitment. So you'll see that in the book. And my tagline is what you mentioned earlier. It is live a life by design on purpose. That's everything that I'm about. I designed my life and I put that word in there specifically because it's not live on purpose. What does that really mean? It's live a life by design of your own design. I designed my life. I knew how many days I could tolerate working, doing the type of work that I do. So I do a lot of trauma-informed care in my therapy practice. I also was a caregiver. I was also traveling between three states on a regular and consistent basis doing family care and working and building my private practice. So I knew that I needed to be able to have time off to recover and to repair and restore myself and to enjoy living life. So I said, how many days a week can I physically, mentally work and financially not only sustain a life, but grow a financial life? And so I, I settled on three and a half days a week and I work really diligently in those three and a half days from appointments I keep with my clients and, and they make on their own from my calendar to meetings that I have with my assistant to my social media marketer who needs to have questions answered and guidance or sent to a class to continue to build our brand out to doing media work. So I work now Sundays, Mondays, part of Tuesdays, and only half of Wednesdays. That's when I do client care and coaching. The rest is for me, some of my media work like today on Thursday, and then the rest of the days I'm off enjoying my life with my loved ones. So I designed what my life would look like, where I would live, how I would live, what kind of money I would earn, places I would travel, the people I'd be associated with, and how my name would be out there in the world building legacy. And when I imagined it, and I talked about it to the people who I could trust and I wrote about it, I got to work and I kept getting to work. And now my work works for me. Yes, have your work work for you. As we wrap up, I really want to make sure that we know where to find the book or where we can find you because these gems you was just dropping right now. <laughs> People could have a whole life transformation just from this 30 minute episode. But if that's what you are dropping now, like the book must be next level. So where can we find the book? Where can we find and support you? So the book, Adulting as a Millennial, A Guide to Everything Your Parents Didn't Teach You is on my website, lifecoachasha.com. Straight to the point, my name is spelled A-S-H-A. People can find out more about me and what I do as well on my website. I have something called Compassion Journaling, Compassion Coaching. We have some journals that we are offering for people to do the work independent or with me. And um, every day I'm on Instagram at Asha Tari Mental and Twitter at Asha Tari, and that's A-S-H-A. T-A-R-R-Y. So get the book while it's in pre-order. It'll be released in print for people to buy online at the end of June 2020. But right now we're doing pre-sales and we're doing well and excited about it. So I hope people do enjoy the book. It's going to be straightforward, direct, five chapters, not very long. Get the message and run with it. Wow. Thank you so much, Asha. Honestly, it's been my pleasure to chat with you. I'm like, let me go. Did I, I'm like, have I been committed to myself? Well, take myself in the mirror and look at it. <laughs> Do some work. So I really appreciate you, you know, coming on the show and sharing such 
you know, such impactful information. Um, I think that that's a part of the abundance, right? Like knowing that sharing all of this stuff does, isn't going to take away from you. It's only going to bring more abundance into your life and all of the lives of the people listening. So seriously, I'm so appreciative. Thank you for having me. This was really awesome. And thank you for what you do. You're such a joy to see and hear. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the podcast, you have a few options. You can subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to it, and you'll be notified as new episodes are uploaded. You can also leave a review or send me your feedback. Doing so helps me to create content that's relevant to what you want to hear about. And last, you can share the podcast with a friend. Whether it's directly or sharing it on your social media, it helps them to know that you think that this is information that they need to hear about. Thank you.